Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. And hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham and this week we are back. This is Graham with you and Jojo on the other side of Skype. Hello Jojo! How did you? <laughs> As I was saying on our full start, uh, we weren't here last week, so if you didn't miss us last week, if you didn't know we were here last week, so uh, that's that's you know, you, you, you don't listen to us, you're not faithful listeners. Yeah, that's your bad. <laughs> That's your bad. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's absolutely great to be back, Jojo, and I miss the bloody hell out of you. So welcome back and Thank welcome you. back to me too, you know. <laughs> yes, welcome back to, to us both. <laughs> right. Uh, last week was kind of rough. Uh, you know, uh, we didn't set out to miss a week last week, but we decided at the end of the week that it's either a quality podcast or, you know, just skip a week. You know, and, and not do a crappy podcast. We didn't want to do that. So yep. we decided we're going to take a break and next week we'll come back fresh. Are you fresh, Jojo? I am super fresh. <laughs> Fantastico. So this week we have a very, very, very good little Netflix show we want to talk about. I, you may have heard me say this. A lot. I, I always say this, that uh, this is one of those shows that wasn't on on the upper echelon of my list. I, I wasn't like, ah, this is good. I'm going to watch it. First of all, because I don't understand a damn thing about chess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I lived in a Catholic seminary for four years and part of the extracurricular activities was one of the choices was to play chess. I always chose something else because, no, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> so I don't understand chess. So it was very hard, of course, for me to get excited about a series that is mainly about somebody who is a, a prodigy at playing chess. Having yes. said that, I'm so damn glad I watched it. I'm so damn glad we're going to talk about it. What do you say, Jojo? Yes, yes. I would say I fall in the category of extremely casual chess player. It's been a very long time since I sat in front of the board, and I definitely don't remember enough about it to be like, oh, she's using the opening with the Queen's Gambit or whatever. So I was, I was, it was one of those things where I was like, I feel like this show is not going to be something I enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to give it a shot because it's so popular and it keeps popping up. And, you know, the the costumes and the set period, the set pieces from the period look amazing. So let's let's give it a shot. And uh, yeah, as, as you said, it's it's a delightful surprise. Yeah, uh, there's a couple of reasons why this show I was a bit skeptical about it. And, and we'll talk about that. In a minute, but first, suffice it to say is that I'm always skeptical about watching anything set in Lexington, Kentucky in the 1950s. 
being black and all that, because uh, I, I always expect that I'm going to see some horrible shit happening to black people. And, you know, it was, you know, in the heydays of the Jim Crow era. And so I'm, I'm always, I always go into that a little bit. Hmm, am I going to see some shit that will make me angry? Right. But uh, that, that, that wasn't the case at all here. And I am happy again. We are going to talk about this show, and I think by now we should probably tell tell folks what show is it that we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about the Queen's Gambit, on, available on Netflix. The Queen's Relati- Gambit. Yes, relatively new uh, series from them. I think it dropped in October. Yeah, because it's been like showing up on my on my thing since October. Uh, like mid to late October, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll pass." You know? <laughs> yeah, me too, me too, and um, it, and it's it's very popular on Netflix as well, that- which 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 was another thing. Yeah, it's been in the top ten uh, pretty consistently, I think, since it aired or since it dropped, and which is surprising to me as well. It it feels like something that shouldn't be popular. I guess a lot of people were like us and were like, eh, we'll give it a try and then got hooked. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I mean, the Queen's Gambit. Even the name is like, all right, sure. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but so it falls upon JoJo to synopsize shows for us uh, because only she can do it that way. <laughs> I am no good. I'll never be good at that. So JoJo, please tell us in a few words, what is the show about? So the the Queen's Gambit is about a a little girl named Elizabeth. She goes by Beth Harmon. And she is orphaned at a young age and ends up in a in an orphanage. She is introduced to the game of chess by a caretaker at the orphanage. And there are hints that it doesn't really quite come out and say it, but there are hints that her mother was some sort of a mathematical genius. Yeah. And she definitely inherited that along with maybe some other unfortunate things. But she uh, she becomes fascinated with the game of chess. And from about the age of 15 to 20 in the 1960s in the U.S., she becomes the, I believe, world grandmaster chess champion. And it sounds dry as hell. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and boring as hell, um, and also possibly horrible as hell in the sense of the the many bad things that could happen. But this is actually a very thoroughly enjoyable show, and I think in some cases it takes on the realm of fantasy for what should have been a, a not should have but could have been a a terrible story of woe and how she got to where she was going is a is a little bit candy coated. Um, but that's okay in this series because it's not it's not to the point of being saccharine. It's to the point of being enjoyable. Uh, a little bit of sugar makes the medicine go down, I guess. I, I I don't know if the the story in itself is based on on real life. Uh, I've, I've ha- I haven't gotten too far. It is based on a novel that is not based on any any one character. 
it may be a pastiche of people like Bobby Fischer and a few other chess champions, but it's not based on anyone in particular. And this is what I suspected in based on what you're saying here uh, in that there are moments where it comes it becomes a, a bit too fantastical. And I suppose it is mainly because somebody was racking their brains to create the story as opposed to parting from some things that happened in real life. And when um, when you have an obligation to to go with things the way they happen in real life, of course, you, you know, uh, you have to, if you see yourself in the need to sugarcoat things, then you probably are not. Uh, being faithful to the real events, isn't it? Mm -hmm. whereas when you are, you know, you are the master of the story you're writing, you 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 you'll do some things with it that you know that you couldn't take that kind of liberties if you were writing a a, a real life uh, thing. I, I don't know if I'm even making sense, but like mm -hmm. I see exactly what you're saying, Jojo. I was like, but like that that wouldn't be nah. You know what I mean? Like yes. That's not how this should happen at all, you know. Yes. But hey, man, it's cool. It's a, it's a fictional story of, of somebody that could have existed, isn't it? Yes. Yes. It's it's a fictional story, and it's very, it's very much the bright side of life, you know. The the I don't know what it would be called, but the uh, love love wins, love triumphs. You yeah. know, in the in the case of. I mean, you could just take the very core case of a female being becoming the champion of a completely male-dominated sport, especially in the 1960s, is impossible. <laughs> right. Not just right. should be impossible, but is impossible. It never happened. <laughs> so uh, I, the, you can just take that core element of it and and realize that this is a fantasy story but it is beautifully told and don't go into it expecting truthiness i guess would be the word uh but it's it's lovely it's something i think that we uh we need in our psyche right now we need good things so am i detecting something that you thoroughly enjoy this show that you like it <laughs> i liked it very much yes <laughs> Okay, so we've heard what you what you found a bit uh, unpleasant. Tell us what pulled you in in this show when you started watching it. What 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 said to you? Yeah, I'm gonna watch this. I think it was um, actress that plays Beth Harmon, Elizabeth Harmon, as a child. As a child, whoa, yes. Um, I felt pulled in by her performance. Um, the story is partially told by flashbacks and the, the beginning of the story, you get to see a little bit of what was going on with her life and her interactions with her mother, Alice Harmon and the, the, the manicness and the depression and the paranoia that was going on there. And the way that that actress who played young Beth Harmon played that character I found very compelling and I got pulled in by her. Um, her name is Isla Johnston. So she kind of pulled me into the story. And then from there I was hooked. Yeah. I was going to ask you, who is that kid? <laughs> <laughs> but 
you you are right. I think for for major part of the show, at least throughout the entire part where the the actress playing young Alice was on screen, she was commanding. And but another actor that was one of my favorites to look at to 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 see interact with with Beth was the gentleman who played uh, Mr. Uh, Scheibel. And we'll talk about him in, in a bit. Yes. But I was like, I'm like, this guy is so good. Yes. You know. Yes. Uh, you know, he's playing a hard-ass character. But like, if anybody was ever looking for a a a loving grandpa that is not necessarily your all honey bunny grandpa, but but can show you some tough love. Mm-hmm. There he is, mm-hmm. you know that that's encapsulating this character so well. But you know we're going a little bit <laughs> we're going a little bit outside the realm of of the content of our show because we have to talk a little bit about the story. What what in your view, Jojo makes this story plausible and watchable and uh what what kind of what kind of critiques does any of it evoke to you uh is it the tired story of the genius the self-destructive genius or do you see there the reasons why beth Harmon goes on a downward spiral i think um I think the character of Elizabeth Harmon is very interesting. Someone who, and I give credit, of course, to the director and the script writers, but also to the actress who played her as an adult. She is an incredibly intelligent person in the world of chess. She's not a superwoman by any means, but she is extremely intelligent, but she's not played as if she's a machine. She's not simply a computer that plays chess. Chess is incredibly important to her and takes up a huge amount of her life to the point of being an obsession. But she is, she is, she is definitely, she's certainly a human underneath all of that obsession. The, you know, the subject of addiction and the idea of genius goes hand in hand with madness is, you know, as you say, it's been played out many times, but it was it was handled, I felt this in this show with a delicacy that I've not seen before. Perhaps maybe because of the fantasy elements that are in the show. But it it makes it a hopeful show, an optimistic show, and I think that that's something that we don't often see portrayed with genius and madness. It's, it's typically um, all or nothing, all down the drain. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they have the idea thrown out there that it doesn't have to be that way, I think is very uplifting in a, in the, in the, in a psyche sense and the idea of, you know what, just because you're really smart at something or really good at something, it doesn't mean you have to throw it all away. Or it doesn't mean you have to be completely unhappy with life and everything else. 
you you can enjoy other things and do other things. And I think that was sort of a, a theme that ran through the whole series, you know, mentioned by uh, the character of uh, the adoptive mother. Yeah. You know, I, I'm so glad that you mentioned the, the portion of the show where you can see that she's a genius, but she's not a robot. Because that is the way we are told that people that are very good at what they do, that's what we, we, we sort of told in stories that they are. Like, oh, they can only focus on this thing and blah, blah, blah. And I think the show does a very good job at combining Elizabeth's humanity and even like grown child type of uh, personality to to the genius that that she is and that she, as you said she desires all the things she wants to go out in the world and see things and buy dresses and be a girl and and all of these things and then when it comes to chess, she will fucking break you. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> yes. You know, and the one element that I always saw is that they did a pretty good job uh, showing how threatened males can be when a woman excels. And there was a moment where the ghost, I suppose, of Elizabeth's mother, Alice, made a very, very fine point of that. Do you remember that part? Well, she said, like, even if you're good at something, a man will come and try to tell you <laughs> how yes. to do it and try to teach you what you already know. Yes. Right? And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that they're better than you. It just makes them feel yes. bigger. So just... You know, shut up, listen, and do whatever the hell you yes. want. That, my friend, it is a fantastic thing. And I, I don't know if Beth remembered that conversation because that's exactly what she was doing. Or if it was a case that the script writers were making when that you know, Manchild from New York decided he was going to be <laughs> her trainer. But I, I I love that. I love that because if I had a little daughter today, that's what I would be telling her. Like, look, man, here's you. You're you. And, you know, pe people will come along. Dudes will come along and tell you, here's how you do this. If you in your mind have conceived, that's what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. Then do it that way. And yep. fuck them all. Smile and nod and <laughs> yeah. do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> Smile and wave, boys. <laughs> Smile and wave. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. There is another character that I fell in love with. And I, this actress is so good at what I she does. I have a feeling it's the same, same is, one. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're talking about uh, Marielle Heller. Uh, who played Alma, the lady who ended up adopting Beth. Yes. My God, like I'm, uh, you know, I was there and I wanted her to be there and I could see the end of her story coming. Yes. And I was already sad. Yes. When I, when I foresaw what was to come, I was already sad. And not even for Beth. 
Uh, at this, at that point, I kind of thought, yeah, this kid, she'll make it. Yeah. I was sad because I wanted this woman to live and have a long, happy life and drinking however many martinis she could. Yes. I, I wanted her to see Paris. <laughs> yes. And Moscow yes. and everywhere yes. else. Yes. I, yes. I, um, I fell in love with her too and her, um, her very precise way of speaking and careful, measured way of speaking and yes. the idea of... Because she was great at the piano. She was, uh, she was yeah. brilliant. And yeah. the idea of settling and the idea of getting this world opened up to her through chess... I, I wanted her to be happy. I wanted her to just taste more of the world because she she deserved it. She was lovely. She was wonderful. She was loving and kind and, you know, everything that you would want a mother to be uh, or a best friend. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And she was both. She was yes. both to Beth, wasn't yes. she? Yes. Yes. Yeah. She was. She was. So her, her, the, once she's introduced... You know, the I feel like the whole series is is worth watching just for her character yeah. and that actress's portrayal of her. Yes, yes. You know, the one thing I kept thinking is there was a moment where this woman's life could have just completely been dismantled, because uh, um, there were hints that she had a child whom you know died, and then. I can imagine how terrible it must be for it must have been for any woman in the 1950s if a dude walked out on you childless and with all of the stigma I mean basically you needed a man to do anything back in the day I I I remember not too long ago watching an interview with Hillary Clinton and she said that she was a lawyer in Arkansas already, like, and her husband had already won, uh, run for office and won. I think he was at the time governor of Arkansas. And she went to open a bank account and she was told she needed to bring her husband. Yes. And that was in the late 70s. Yes. Yes, you would need your husband's <laughs> approval to open a bank account, to get a credit card. You know, those came along a little later, yeah. but there was diners club cards in the 50s. I think to rent a, a, a hotel room, um, lots of things. You had to have your husband's either permission or, or he had to have done it. Yeah. So it <laughs> just speaks to, it's not been that long ago. We can reach out and touch that right. history very easily. Exactly, exactly. And that's, I, I think the immediacy of uploading online in, 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 in a matter of seconds makes everything five seconds, five minutes later, make them feel like it's ancient history. Right. But, but it is not. And, and this is why I'm thinking of this woman, Alma Whitley. She could have basically gone homeless and completely her life could have been ruined just by the sole fact of her husband walking out on her. Yes. Yes. And as, as is mentioned in the series too, I mean, the adoption could have been reversed. Well, your husband left you, so you're obviously exactly. not a fit mother. So 
Exactly. Going to take the baby back. Not that she was a baby, but you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it was such a beautiful thing to see girl power. Like the two of them came together and said, I'm here for you. You've been here for me. Let's do this. Yep. <laughs> you, you know, and I loved it. I loved it. I the chemistry between the two actresses yes. was fantastic. Yes, it really was. It really <sighs> was. I uh, I loved it because I feel like it's not something you see very often portrayed on television as a good, yeah. loving relationship between. A mother and daughter or, or best friends or, you know, there was, there was never any malice. There was never any question. There was never, it was just unconditional love from her from the very beginning, yeah. which is exactly what Beth needed. And I don't think had yes. ever had from her biological mother, you know, like right. following that through to the end of, of her biological mother's story, which we find out at the, at the end of the series, you, you, she did not get that from her mother. So to get that from Mrs. Wheatley from Alma was... Uh, it's just, yeah, it was lovely. It was lovely to watch and that the two actresses are, are phenomenal. And as you said, they had beautiful chemistry. Yes. So what do you think of the fact that this is a story that could have easily been told in today's world, but yet it was decided it was going to be a period piece? I love that. But do you think that makes the story more compelling? Yes. Because it was based in the in the years that it was. Yes, I do. I do think. I think that the the set pieces and the costumes and the hairstyles and the makeup were as much a part of the story um, as some of the dialogue. I feel that the the haircuts of Beth really told <laughs> told the story of her of her growth. Not to get too metaphysical about hair or anything, but I, I feel like it, it showed the growth of the character. Oh yes, please, please do, because <laughs> you know, I've known you, I've known you for what about three years now, and I've seen some, I've seen some haircuts on you. So yeah, uh, <laughs> feel free to talk about haircuts, man. <laughs> you the ju- if anybody has the authority to talk about haircuts, you know, I'll be like, I'll be like quietly listening. Is Jojo. So please do. <laughs> well, you know, you you have this start with with young Beth with her mother who has a haircut that is exa- is essentially the same as what her mother has. As, yes. as, as they have essentially have the same hair, which you know it says to me almost that that mom was trying to create a mini me. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I, I I want I want someone just like me around me. I don't know if perhaps that was a symptom of the madness as a way to, to have someone around her that she could just pretend was her in the sense of like, you're not intrusive to me because you look like me. So, um, and then of course you have the terrible orphanage haircut with the super short, short, short bang and the short, short hair, which, you know, is, is Cute on some little kids, but um, they they took it a little step towards grotesque with the character, just yeah. to to sort of show it almost like a, a scalping, a, a complete loss yeah. of uh, of everything, of right. of identity. You're going to look like all the other little kids. You are, you know, you are going to be an orphan. And yeah. and then when she was adopted by the Wheatleys, you know, she had a similar similar haircut. But as she as she grew and expanded and, and learned in, in chess and in life and had the influence of Mrs. Wheatley, 
you know, the the bangs got longer until they disappeared. The hair got longer and came to a nice flip. You know, she came, I feel like, more into herself with with that. And uh, I don't know, it seemed a little bit like an, an odyssey of hair, an odyssey through hair. And I don't know that in, in today's, if this had been set in today's uh, time, that that's something that you could really show um, with quite as much impact. The... I don't believe they cut uh, orphans hair like that now. Uh, I think that would definitely take you out of the story if if that happened now. So I I just think that it was uh was kind of a, a an extra character progression told through through hair and through fashion as well. Uh yes. you know, she went from wearing the clothes that her mother had made for her that had the little embroidered Beth on it so she would always know who she was. Right. To the hand-me-downs for them, the orphanage, to, eh, you know, not really stylish stuff, but good clothes chosen by Mrs. Wheatley. And then when she started right. making her own money, um, you know, she was... She went all out. She went all out. <laughs> and uh, I thought I thought that was, was telling, too, especially the in the scenes in Moscow where she's come to the ultimate challenge of her chess career so far. And, you know, they show her very carefully choosing her outfits and laying them out for the next day. You know, the, the, the fashion is an important part of the story. Definitely. But, uh, you know, about what you said in terms of the hair, I think I've got a story to tell. Okay. And I always found it not fascinating, but I had a grudge with that because as a young man, again, I was a Catholic seminarian. And when I entered the seminary, no one ever told me you have to get rid of anything physically, right? As a matter of fact, you were even, I mean, it was frowned upon, but you were even still allowed to date until you took your first vows, which was uh, after the first three years in the seminary. But I learned, however, that wasn't the case with young women entering the convent, the first thing they do is actually to cut your hair. And the next thing is that you're going to have your head covered, right? And supposedly that is to rid you of your vanity. Supposedly hair apparently is a sign of vanity. And, and so as a sign of modesty in women, in the, in the nunnery, in the convent, it was get rid of the hair, of course, no makeup, but get rid of the hair. But as a young seminarian, as I said, nobody ever told me I had to get rid of anything. Anything. And so I feel like that was the same thing here, part of the story that was, that was being told when she entered the orphanage is that we are going to get rid of anything that would make you not look in need of a parent. So that when people come to to look at you looking for a kid, you are presentable. Like, like you know, we're not going to give you any advantage. If you get the same haircut as everyone else, then the haircut is not going to be what's get, what gets you adopted, but rather, I don't know, your personality or whatever. So that, that's, what, that's what I wanted to say about that. But like, and, 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 and it, it's it's. Cool to see how, you know, you, you, you picked up on that and you wanted to, you know, like 
you 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 saw the role that the hair played there in I didn't say it until you mentioned it and then it brought me back to the seminary how to the seminary and the convent let's then go ahead and talk about a few of the characters and the cast who's your absolute favorite <laughs> apart from beth My- who's your absolute favorite Anne? Oh, it would have to be Mrs. Wheatley. Alma Wheatley was my favorite. Yep. She she is lovely and tragic and beautiful and yeah. <laughs> and all of the things. I think my second favorite would be Jolene. <laughs> I didn't I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I didn't see that coming, but I can see where you're going with it. Because, yeah. Yeah. Jolene, both as an adult and as a child, was fucking hilarious and something to be reckoned with, but also ultimately someone to be very proud of. Yes. Yes. A very, very, very strong woman. Yes. Very strong girl. Strong, I think, in every possible use of the word, uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, you know, she was, she was tough and, and, and just strong, but I, I don't, I don't, I should take back the word tough because that implies a, a sort of, uh, I don't know, rough exterior or something like that. She was just strong, just very, very yeah. strong. And, uh, I, I loved her when she was on screen. I loved her lines. <laughs> um, I loved her having to explain one of her, her words to little Beth. Um, yes. So I, 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 I really liked the character of Jolene. I, I'm sad we didn't see a little bit more of her. I, I wish right. she'd been woven into the story a little earlier. Uh, I think that would have been good both from a storytelling sense and also good for the character of Beth Harmon. But uh, I'm I'm glad we did get what we got. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) But I think she, yeah, she made the entire thing hilarious. (laughs) I don't think Beth would have ever remembered having a good time at uh, the orphanage without Jolie. Yeah. You are absolutely right. <laughs> to a certain extent, I also am happy. I don't know how to say this, but I'm happy that she didn't get adopted. Yeah. And I'm going to explain myself. It's because I think that made her the adult she became. I agree. Obviously, there is many ways that the story could have gone with her just by the sole fact of not being adopted. But I don't. I think if you knew Jolene as a child, you knew that she was going to make it, and and you can believe the adult she became. Yes. Isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes, you can. And again, as, yeah. and, and like you said, the story could have gone a, a, a different, horrible way. But the series is not about horrible things. <laughs> um, right. It, it really isn't. So it's it's good things happen to good people. Yeah. I also had, there's one thing I always loved about this story, and I know that I announced that we we're going to get into the, into the cast, but I remember this part. I did not see any gratuitous nudity 
and and you know Francacella. It was it was one of those series like Succession, like all of the women made sign the the contract that they would not get naked in the show, right? And it's just you can't tell a story without showing all of that. Mm-hmm. And, and at this, point, I think it's just the second time that I talk about this, and it may you know people may be developing a slight sense that I'm some kind of like prude or whatever. That's not it. <laughs> I, I, I just think that you can make the art of telling a story without showing nudity. And the reason being is because when you tell a story in writing, you don't go into describing everybody's nudity. You probably will describe the nakedness of the character that you are talking about but in visual storytelling obviously if everybody's get naked everybody seems naked <laughs> you know and and you have to ask yourself at, at some point is this entirely necessary you know yeah when you as a spectator you have to ask yourself at some at some point is this entirely necessary did i actually need to see all, all of these because what you know? How important is this to the story? Yes, they had sex, right? I don't need to. It doesn't need to be told in this way. I mean, Beth had sex with uh, Benny, but you, 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 and I know, and anybody watching would know that they did have sex. That's it, you know. Yeah. So I, I was I was I was glad to see that. Like I said, that doesn't mean that I wouldn't watch a show that has a bunch of nudity. I mean, shit. If you watch Game of Thrones or The Sopranos or <laughs> any of that shit, you will you will see nudity there and be like, why? Like what? This guy's naked? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think to your point is that a, a story like like this one, the the Queen's Gambit, it's not necessary to the storytelling for people to be naked. It's necessary to the storytelling for you to understand that these two people had sex, but it's not necessary for you to see all of the glorious details. It doesn't help with the storytelling. It doesn't further the plot. It's one of those things that is, is, um, you know, is it, you look at it and you go, was that put in there to, to further the story or was that put in there for the quote unquote shock value or just because they could, but a story like this, it, it doesn't need it to tell the story. So as you said, it's nice that they didn't use it just because they probably could have. Yeah. And that's all, that's all I'm saying. I think, I think Hollywood should be a bit more discerning as to, when nudity is necessary mm-hmm. and and also like i say i think you will see nudity exerted more force more upon actresses than than dudes and and we all know what what that's all about and and that's bullshit yes <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly yep yeah. So yeah, it's not it's not a prudish thing. It's it's and I, I also think too that I don't know, with nudity quite often as you said it's it's female and it's most of the time of a, a sexual in nature whereas, you know, 
we take our clothes off to do other things <laughs> besides sex. So, I mean, if you're, if you're going to include nudity, you know, include them in the bathtub or whatever. I, I just, it, it, if, you, if you're saying yeah. I need to include this to include the story, then include it every time nudity happens in a, in a human's life. Bath. Right. Uh, again, here's Jojo saying something that, <laughs> you know, that's it. Forget my oratory. <laughs> Jojo does her thing and she says it the way it's supposed to be said. God damn it. <laughs> um, right, so the cast. This young lady, Anya Taylor-Joy, she is quite the little actress, isn't she? She really is. <laughs> I love her background. It's insane. Uh, she's American, Argentine, and British. She has more nationalities than Jamal, my son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think of her, and 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 uh, what kind of reception you think this is going to have for her? I think this is probably going to be. I haven't seen the other shows that she's been in, but I think that this is going to be a career changer for her. I could possibly see some Emmys in her future, or at least nominations for this. I uh, I think she was great in it, and I think that she has a huge amount of potential as an actress. Yeah, and I I really look forward to her her work. I just saw that she was born in 1996, which that uh, makes me. I, f- I I I feel like the the older chess player she played in Moscow, who was like, don't yeah. don't, don't tell me it will stab me through the heart <laughs> when he started to ask her age. <laughs> How old are you? Never mind. Don't tell me. It will, stab it will me drive his spear to my heart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, I, I look I look forward to her career. Um, she she was very very good. Uh, yeah. She was in the New Mutants, which my my husband mentioned to me, but I've I haven't seen that, so I I don't know. In what what was, what was it? The New Mutants. It's a it's a series about the the X Men, and they're oh right. I've been meaning to watch that. You know, like yeah, New Mutants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. No, later. <laughs> yeah. So so okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by her and I think she she she's she's a huge talent. Yeah. She is a huge talent. Whoever made the decision to cast her for this is deserves a rage and is a genius, like, you know. And as you said, I see no reason why this young woman shouldn't be nominated for all kind of shit with this season. I'm not talking about the seasons to come. Because I know that Hollywood does that. You know, oh, yeah, it was the first season. We don't even know if the show is going to be canceled. You know. Right. And so all the good work. I think that's the same thing that happened with the OA. Right? Like, yes. If, if Hollywood had gotten behind the OA and nominated this young lady, what's her name? That uh, created and acted on the OA uh, at least a couple of times, you know. The show would have survived. Yeah. You know, and it's for, sad that 
It's very sad that it didn't, because it was it was a good, great show. Britt Marlin. Britt Marlin. And, and I think it was probably, I, I said it when we did the show about the OM, like, maybe it was too good for, for the OM. <laughs> was, I think so. Yeah. I think it was just too good for the world. <laughs> right. An actress that we saw in flashbacks only, so there's not a lot that we know about her, their character, or her, for that matter, is Chloe Peary as Alice Harmon. She was in six out of seven episodes, but it was, you know, ten words each scenes. I think the longest scene was on episode two, seven, or seven, episode six, which, you know, we're not going to give it away. Yeah. And, but I think, I think she's, uh, she took what she... What she was given and worked with it, didn't she? Yeah, she did. She really did. I I think that she um, she portrayed the the manic Alice, the 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 manic word diarrhea, the 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 energy, the sweeping highs and dips of despair very well um, and sympathetically. Again, didn't see very much of her, but she was she was good. Yeah, Bill Camp. Mr. Scheibel. I don't know why I love this guy, dude. Like, but <laughs> I, I am so in this guy's corner. He was on 12 Years a Slave, Birdman, uh, Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, and Joker. But here's the crazy thing. He is actually married to one of my favorite actresses, Elizabeth Marvel. I love that lady, man. <laughs> I love love i'm talking about like love love she like she was absolutely great on uh homeland and she was fantastic i think she was on house of cards too for a few seasons elizabeth marvel that's actually elizabeth elizabeth marvel's husband yeah that's why i love him (laughs) (laughs) love by association yeah, great, great character and fantastic portrayal by him. Yes, huh? yes. Bill Camp, Mr. Scheibel. Moses Ingram, played by played Jolene, right? Yes. Your favorite character, so go ahead. <laughs> she has not been in very many things. Uh, she no. is a, a very, very new actress. Their, her bio is pretty sparse, so I, I don't I don't really know much about about Ms. Moses, but uh, she she is. I hope this is a career maker for her as well because she's she's so good in this, yeah. and uh, so believable and so strong. And uh, <laughs> the there's a scene where she's with the character of Beth Harmon, and they're in. Uh, Jolene's car together and Beth Harmon comes out with a picture and just breaks down and cries and she just holds her while she's crying and it was it was such a an almost throwaway shot to the series like they they could have cut it and it would have been fine without it but it was so beautiful to see and listen to her acting and her voice and her comforting the character of Beth in her loss and her her grieving that had just hit her. And 
I think that that shows an actress well beyond whatever her bio says that she's done. Um, she is accomplished, and uh, I, I would like to see more of her in in lots of things because she she was so good in 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 that scene in particular. She's good in every scene, but that scene in particular really touched touched my heart. Yes, her scenes in the car with with Beth were the moment you actually sort of ask yourself why did then why why wasn't she in the show for for more episodes right yeah because yeah I think Beth if you look at Beth Beth doesn't do well with other girls but then most of the other dudes most most of the dudes that are in her life are either trying to somehow giving her this backhanded backhanded compliment of you're good but I could still still teach you a thing or two even though and when they figure out she's even she's she's too good that I feel like shit then they run away yes right yes. and so Beth you can tell you it tells you that Beth has never had a friend other than Jolene in the comeback that return of Jolene consummates that friendship more than words words can say. And you can tell that even though you and I would have done would have liked it more if Jolene was in there for a longer period of time, but she came back at the right time in 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 Beth's life. Yes. Somebody chose to put her there at the right moment and that was great for the series. Yes. But Moses Ingram is however young she may be, she is a consummated actress. And she nailed this character, as I'm sure she should nail everything else she does. Yes. Seriously. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've talked about Marielle Heller as Miss Alma Whitley. We dedicated a, a nice bit of the show to her. Yes. Isla Johnston, who played young Beth Harmon, is, I, would, I will say the same thing about her that I just said about Moses Ingram. Yeah. At at a young age, she's like so good. Yes. She is she made you want to see the the grown-up Beth story. Yes. And you and I have talked about how a child has played a character and then once they the grown-up enters the story, you're like, ah, the grown-up actor or actress. Interesting story, like uh, they weren't as good as the kid. And at this point, I'm not gonna say whether I thought Anya Taylor Joy was better. No, oh no. All I'm saying is that the kid owned the character, uh, Isla Johnston, and the older actress has nothing on her. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. I, I would even go so far to say, even though I think she's only in maybe three scenes, the the actress that played even younger Beth, uh, whose name is Annabeth Kelly, was also yeah. excellent. Yeah. The scene where the mom goes swimming and, yes. Uh, yes. and she's left on the beach, that was... That was great. I mean, it was horrible, but it was great. And it yeah. was made great by the little actress, Annabeth, who yes. um, 
I, I she's she's a little little girl, so <laughs> but yeah. she, but she's she is very good too. So I, they they got a real tour de force for this character of uh, of Elizabeth Harmon to to be played through her her life lifetime. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So before we talk about Harry Melling, who played Harry Beltic, I suppose it's a very good thing when. You play a character that has the same first name. (laughs) (laughs) I've often wondered that. I'm like, is that a good thing or is that very confusing for an actor? Like, are they like, wait, that's not, wait, what? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) I am Harry, but I'm not this Harry. (laughs) Am I, are you talking to a Harry or should I bring out the Harry, Harry? (laughs) (laughs) Which Harry are we just, (laughs) I'm a dude playing a dude played by the other dude. It fits perfectly there. I'm a dude playing a dude. This guy is like the other dude. (laughs) Absolutely fantastic. But before we talk about him, I'd like to talk about Marcin Dorochinsky, who is the dude who played Vasily Borgov. This guy is so good at playing a Russian and based on the last name, I would uh, I would think that if anything, he is Polish. He is from, what his bio says it says he was born in Poland. He was born in Poland, uh, but he's so good at playing a Russian and a scary one at that. <laughs> I could not help but feel completely intimidated for Beth whenever Beth was facing Borgov. Yes. Because this guy had a way of staring at you. Yes. And I don't think I ever remember him smile. No, I don't ever remember hearing a smile or seeing a smile from him either. Yeah. Uh, I think the closest thing he ever showed to humanity was in the elevator scene in Las Vegas, I believe. They were in Las Vegas when she overheard them discussing her. Yes. And yeah. uh, he said something like, well, but she is, she's like us. Yeah, she's uh, an orphan and she yeah. has nothing to lose or something like that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. his, his compatriots were being pretty dismissive, but he was, he wasn't. And I think that was the closest we really saw to uh, <laughs> any humanity or, or, or personality That's what, yeah. uh, in, in this character. He was pure, pure to machine chess player and, uh, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, you're right. He's he's just very good at playing a very scary dude. Yeah, and, and that is a very accurate depiction of, you know, what I can remember uh, Soviet people being like. And to be honest with you, even though it's been, you know, 30-plus years since the Soviet Union ending, it, it, Russians aren't going around playing pranks and shit. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, like they're, they're no, you know, they're no going around doing stand-up comedy and shit. They're pretty, like, serious <laughs> people in a bad way. <laughs> and so it's it's weird, man. It's it's it's, it's a very accurate depiction of, of, of that era. It's a very good actor. Yes, um, yes. He has that face of like, I will break you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and a, and a face that didn't look um, 
anachronistic. He he looked like he belonged in the sixties. Uh, you know, he didn't look. Uh, I don't know the the character of um, of Benny Watts. I felt that the actor who played him really didn't. I thought he was a great actor, but but something about his face and the way he portrayed himself made me feel more like he was a, a 90s kid. Like, I, I could see him as River Phoenix, yes. like playing River Phoenix yes. in a biopic down the road at some point. Yes. I, I, I didn't, I was like, I, I'm not getting 60s vibes off of you, man. I don't, yes. I, so, anyway. It was like, 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 like a flimsy crocodile dundee yeah. uh, wannabe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So. Um, yeah. So I was, I was surprised to find out that Beth was hung up on, on that dude that you know, thing never happened. Things never happened with, in Vegas. Towns. Was, towns. I mean, he was much older than her to begin with. Yes. But at the same time, it was like, really you. <laughs> I don't know. It was it was it was kind of weird. Yeah, I I yeah, I agree. That's a good assessment. Um Okay, so of all <laughs> that's the dude. <laughs> you know. Seriously, that's the dude. That's the dude. To be honest with you like dude wasn't even that much into women. <laughs> he wasn't no. to Beth. <laughs> For some reason, but God knows why, <laughs> you know. But I don't. I don't feel like he was. You know, uh, it was pretty well demonstrated that he wasn't much into women. But anyway. Yeah. Any other actor you want to talk about? Um. So Harry Melling is well as Harry. <laughs> yeah. Uh. He was. He was good. I. I thought he did a a, a pretty good American accent. He, uh, there was only a couple times where I was like, oh, there's the British coming out. <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, he's very talented and I, I enjoyed his performance very much in, in the, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And I thought that was a very, a very difficult role to play that he he was very very good at. I've seen him in some other things since. I know he was in The Old Guard and was maybe I think for me a little disappointing in his performance with that, but I I did enjoy his portrayal in this as as someone who I guess is is unrequited love. Um yeah. Because he did truly care for Beth, but she did not feel the same way. She did not have the same level of attachment to him that he had for her. And uh, I thought that he was he was good in this. And uh, eh, you know, was was even though he was kind of a the way he reintroduced himself into her life as a you know. I can teach you things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was kind of a, a, a jerky move. Um, I think that ultimately it, it made him grow as a as a person and as a character, and made him realize that he maybe wasn't the the hot shot that he thought he was. Yeah, I think yeah, he was the in his reintroduction to to Beth's life. He was like going through some kind of like doozy period of of his life. Yeah. 
the car and yes, <laughs> yes. Dog. Like, yes. what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, when the car rolled up, it was like. No, I may be stereotyping here, but I don't think that chess masters are interested in that. <laughs> that may be a stereotype, and I'm very sorry if it is, but I just, those, those things don't go hand in hand to me. Um, of course, there's anomalies to everything, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah, but like nerds, nerds tend to kind of like want to splash out sometimes, especially when they make it big. But like, you can tell that they don't fit the yeah. profile, like, you yeah. know, like. Most nerds in the early 2000 bought themselves a Hummer. And whenever they stepped out of it, and you'd be like, yeah, like that's not your... No. You shouldn't be driving that shit, man. Have you ever seen the video of the little guy with the big lifted truck and he has a... It's not a little person. It's a short man. The short man who, who has a big lifted truck and he uh, has a step ladder to get into... <laughs> out of it. <laughs> It's it's Boom. it's quite funny because he he exudes like douchebaggery when he's he's <laughs> coming in and out of the truck like I don't know that kind of a truck does for me anyway the really really lifted ones with all the stickers and everything on the back and uh, but yeah the little step ladder is just <laughs> so good that is funny stuff man <laughs> so. <laughs> it's like why didn't you go with like a dropped Camaro or something? <laughs> you had to have the lifted truck that is going to require you. <laughs> right? You know what, man? Hey, little dude wants what little dude wants. Little dude wants. Oh my God, Joe! <laughs> Don't do that to me. <laughs> I have the stomach to be laughing so. <laughs> Okay, uh, <laughs> let me go to my cell phone. <laughs> Very well then. So this week we've talked about uh, The Queen's Gambit. Yes. Uh, it's a very popular show on Netflix. But you could say that I probably don't have enough friends that I have heard a lot of people talking about it. But again, if you guess that I don't have a lot of friends, you're right. I don't have a <laughs> lot of friends. Uh, <laughs> I don't do friends, which is why I do a podcast with my friend. <laughs> well, the only reason I know is because it it when it pops up, it says it's in top ten of the United States. So you know, <laughs> but here. yeah, that's right. Jojo <laughs> Blank, the same boat, man. Yeah, same boat. Same um, boat. We invite you to watch that. And if you've got something to share, of course, you can leave a comment on our YouTube channel. Uh, this episode will be posted there, of course. And why don't you go ahead and subscribe? Because we talk about this every week. And we're kind of good at that. Yeah. People tell us that we're good at that. Yeah. So we've started to believe it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Smash that subscribe button and ring that bell. Do that. Go and the like button. That. Yay! And comment, comment. Tell us what you thought about the Queen's Gambit. Uh, you can find Jocelyn on Instagram, the only social media she does, as Jocelyn Podcast. Yes, ma'am. That's me. And we. 
you will find me as Mr. Puchetta, M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A on Instagram and also on Twitter. On Facebook, if you do it, just look out for Graham Pierre Lewis. You'll find me. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group. 